the right idea at the right time. The miracles of logistics every day. I just challenged all of their rules. Technology is revolutionizing this industry. Changed our lives. Close your eyes for a second. New York, Hong Kong, Paris. We're more connected. You just never know where the next innovation will come from. Rules are beginning to change. This is Longitudes Radio, a podcast with today's leading experts about the future of technology, global trade, sustainability, and logistics. I'm Brian Hughes. And I'm James Rowe. Martin Newman. If you're in the retail business, you probably know that name. He's the founder and chairman of a company called Practicology. They're interesting because it's a, it's a multi-channel and e-commerce consultancy group in the UK that helps existing retailers with issues surrounding technology, design, data, helping them navigate into those choppy online retail waters. With more than 30 years of experience, he can really help them take those issues head on. And he's good at what he does. Retail Week named Martin one of the top 50 most powerful people in online retail. And Retail Insider recently named him one of the top 100 movers and shakers. UPS's Stefan Bould out of Europe recently caught up with Martin to talk about the hottest topic right now, that's online retail. If you're wondering what kind of creative ways other retailers are using to approach their multi-channel customers, or you're curious about what's top of mind for shoppers this season as they're zeroing in on those last-minute purchases, he's got some insights for us. So let's join him now. Martin, thank you very much for being here today with me. and uh, having me. And talking about some of the trends yes. that are, we are seeing in, in retail and omnichannel commerce. So in the past few years, we've seen a, quite an increase in consumers making their purchases online or combination of ordering online and picking up their purchases in store. With that in mind, how are retailers looking at this festive season from a strategic perspective? Do you think um, their planning and preparation has changed in recent years? Um, I think it has. I mean, obviously, as, as increasing numbers of customers choose uh, fulfillment methods such as clicking and collecting or reserving and collecting their order and picking them up in store, that has challenges. It's an opportunity for retailers because when customers come in, uh, often they spend more money when they're in store. But it's also a challenge in terms of how do you manage that from a process perspective when all of the staff in the store are used to selling and not necessarily fulfilling customers' orders, if you like. Um, and one of, the other, one of the other challenges is that retailers don't always have a single view of stock. And that's one thing they're really trying to get their heads around now because having a single view of stock and inventory within your business means you can ensure that that stock is available wherever the demand is, whether that's through online or whether that's in store. Uh, the other thing that multi-channel retailers are trying to do based on the change in behavior of customers through e-commerce and multi-channel retail is to have a single view of the customer. If you have a single view of the customer, you know the chances are that they are multi-channel customers. Multi-channel customers are more valuable because they shop through more than one channel. And it's really important to have all of that data and all of that insight uh, so that you can target those customers most effectively. So, for example, if I knew that you were an online customer, but you maybe lived within a certain distance of one of my stores, I might encourage you to also shop in the store in the knowledge that by turning you from an online to a multi-channel customer, 
you become more sticky, more loyal to my business. So I think these are just some of the factors that retailers are, are planning and thinking about, not just around Black Friday and not just around the peak holiday trading season, but in general, these are challenges that they have to face into and they have to get right in order to make sure they maximize the opportunity. Yeah. Interesting. You mentioned Black Friday and Cyber Monday. What are a few of the most interesting things you see retailers doing this year to leverage well black, black friday, friday thank, thanks Stephen. I mean, black friday is an interesting one i mean obviously it started as a as a one day event and it's become now a multi week event uh, increasingly retailers are now running you know for two week promotions and i've also noticed this year in the us that a number of retailers are going on sort of pre black friday sale so they're actually starting a sale and starting to run incentives before black friday promotions promotions actually start in earnest so again trying to capture demand ahead of that curve i think one of the challenges that that retailers face in order to maximize the opportunity through black friday and cyber monday is to make sure that that it's not just a case of shifting demand and bringing it forward from christmas i.e. customers would already buy lots of Christmas presents and spend all their money historically from, let's say, early November through to the middle of December, is to make sure that Black Friday is incremental. So I think retailers that are really benefiting the most have worked out how to buy appropriately for Black Friday so they can offer the right level of discount to customers and then think about maybe how they can incentivize them to buy after Black Friday and up to in, in the run up to Christmas as well, so that they don't just make their orders on Black Friday and that's it. So how can you incentivize customers to place multiple or orders over that period of time from Black Friday right the way through Christmas and even into the sale in January? And Black Friday and Cyber Monday are obviously US phenomena that came to Europe. How do you see Black Friday and Cyber Monday growing in Europe? Do you think it's going to be eventually the same big phenomena as it is in the US? And is there, are there maybe yeah. some market differences in yeah. Europe? I, I kind of, I largely think they will become big. I mean, they've already become big events in the UK, and I do think you can see evidence of them in many markets across Europe. In fact, even when I'm traveling in Asia, I'll often see. Uh, some Black Friday promotional material uh, for different retailers, even although they are, is, you know, they are very much Western events. So I think these big sort of shopping festivals are going to become more prominent because consumers know they can get bargains. They know they're often discount orientated. Um, so I think they now they have now become an important part of the consumer's sort of shopping calendar, if you like. They're they know to, they know to expect them, uh, and they have their budgets ready. Uh, to invest in whether that's electrical products, homewares, fashion, or whatever that happens to be. Moving into this shopping season, how do you think retailers are working that demand for free shipping to their cost model to remain profitable? That's a great question, Stefan. Um, retailers often complain about you know the cost to serve customers, and it and it is a challenge. I think first thing I would say is you need to understand the full attribution of online and so i'll answer the question specifically about delivery in a minute you know online is a driver of sales into the physical retail environment you know in western europe now in the us and the uk and in germany and france and throughout europe at least 65 to 70 percent of consumers start their shopping journey on a website before completing it in a store so the web is a driver of sales through all channels of the business, number one. That's an important point to think about because that changes the P&L and how you think of online. Purely from a delivery uh, cost perspective, I'm not an advocate of 
of simply offering free delivery for the sake of it. I think you need to contextualise it for your customers and for the competitors that you're working against in your sector. So I think the first thing you need to do is you need to look at what do customers expect in the category of products that I sell? Do they automatically expect free delivery? Yes or no. Are my competitors offering free delivery? Yes or no. And and I think to some extent that answers the question whether you need to be doing it. Um, and it might be that you do need to do free delivery, but you, you don't necessarily need to make it available for all orders. You might make it available over a certain average order value. That then enables you as a consumer, sorry, as a retailer, to ensure that you've captured enough demand in order to cover the costs of offering free delivery in the first place. I'd say free returns is really important. Because I think if where retailers are still charging returns for customers, I know from my experience as an ex-head of online at Burberry, Harrods, Ted Baker and various other brands, that when you charge customers for returns, generally that's a blocker to conversion. Um, because why would you pay for returns when you can walk into the store, order the same product and not have to worry about any additional costs? Yeah. Interesting you talk about the, the blockers to conversion. What other advice would you give to retailers to, to ensure kind of the checkout process as smooth as possible and they convert as many customers as, po as possible? Um, the checkout process, well, the shopping bag and the checkout on a retailer's website are two of the key areas where you lose most of your demand. If we start with the shopping bag, first of all, one of the mistakes I believe that retailers make is at that point in the customer journey, you want to know what the total cost of your order is. You also want to know when you're going to receive your order. And the mistake a lot of retailers make is that you, they don't start to tell customers that information until they're actually deeply into the checkout. In other words, once they've signed back in or registered, that's too late. You need to show customers on the shopping bag, when can I receive my order? What are the delivery service levels? And how much is my total order going to cost? In other words, am I going to be charged for delivery? Am I not going to be charged for delivery? These factors are really important. They then convince customers to make it to the next stage, which is the checkout process. At that point, it's important to offer customers the opportunity to check out as a guest. You know, not all customers want to... For example, if I was a gift buyer, which I might well be at this time of year can lead up to the holiday season and Christmas, and I were buying you a gift, Stefan, I might be buying you a gift from a particular retailer that actually is a business I don't want to necessarily buy from myself. But I know that you like the brand. So the reason for wanting to check out as a guest is that I know that if I leave my all my information, the chances are that retailer is going to start targeting me and it's going to start marketing marketing to me, which I may not want. And that's why a guest checkout is important. Then when you get into the checkout process itself, it's making sure that customers have the right payment methods and the right choice of payment methodology uh, in order to complete their purchase. Um, if they're in Western markets, that's debit cards, it's credit cards, it's PayPal. If you're in Eastern markets, in East Asia, you know, in China, it's uh, different. Again, it's different payment methods. It might be Alipay. Um, in fact, there are certain markets in Europe, as you'll know, as a logistics provider where customers still want to pay cash on delivery. So you've got to think about what are all the right payment methods that uh, give customers empower customers to choose how they want to uh, pay for your goods in the first place. And like I said, last mile experience, empowering me as a customer to choose where and when my order is fulfilled, number one order of priority for me. Oh, very good. What do you think can retailers do to stand out in, I guess, what is today a saturated e-commerce market um, in order to uh, cut through the clutter and um, win business from 
online customers. So from traditional retailers, do you mean? From traditional retailers or among different um, e-commerce retailers well, that think, offer the same type of products? Sure. Well, I think fundamentally it's about putting the customer first. And I think that unfortunately very few retailers know what that means. So I think if you ask most retailers, do you think it's important to put the customer first? They'd say yes. If you ask them, have they actually gone through the whole value chain of their business? Have they thought about every single part, every touch point and every element of their business? And is it truly doing all that? Are they truly doing all they could to put the customer first? They would absolutely answer no. And then if you ask them the question, have you thought about what it would take you to deliver that proposition? Again, they would say no. So let me explain a few things what I mean there. If you were a customer service business that happened to sell products, in other words, you're not a retailer, you're a customer service business, first and foremost. It just so happens the byproduct of what you do is that customers buy fashion or they buy electronic products or they buy products for their house. You would do things very differently. You know, when you're thinking about the products that you want to create in the first place or the range you want to offer, you'd probably engage customers in helping you understand what that selection needed to look like. A lot of retailers don't do that today. When you thought about packaging, when you thought about delivery, when you thought about things like, you know, corporate social responsibility, these things are very important to customers, particularly to millennials. So you would absolutely be thinking about, you know, what do we do around logistics? What do we do around packaging? What do we do around how we source and manufacture our products in the first place? And what are the impacts of those in terms of social responsibility? You know, what sort of structure do we need? Do we have a leadership team that can create a culture in the business whereby we are empowered as colleagues to do the right thing for customers. We're empowered to deliver the right level of service. Um, you know, it, it touches every element of your business. And I think that, that that's quite a big thing I'm talking about now because, you know, really no retailers are doing that. But fundamentally, if you really want to stand out, if you really want to differentiate, you have to start there. You have to put the customer first and you have to work back from that and work out what do I need to do with technology? What do I need to do with service? What do my people need to do? What skills do I need in order to deliver the right experience? Shifting gears a little bit, what role will the brick and mortar retailers play this year when it comes to the festive shopping season? Are discount off-price retailers still searching? Is that something that's... I think, I, well, first of all, brick and mortar is not going anywhere. And I think brick and mortar retail will become more important in the days and years ahead, because I think that we're moving into an era of experiential retail. And I believe that consumers will still want to go to the physical retail environment. I mean, absolutely they will buy online, but I think they will still want to go to the physical retail environment, but they will go there for a slightly different purpose. Sometimes they will go there to be educated, to be entertained, to learn more about the brand. And there are very few retailers that have embraced that yet. So retailers and brands thinking about how do we bring the experience to life in store to really deliver, to really entertain and engage our consumers. In terms of value or discount retailers, um, I don't know that we're going to see the same sort of spike of growth that we've had because I think that customers increasingly are going to look are going to look at premium products. So premium, I think there's actually going to be an increase in premiumization. We've started to see that within the alcohol sector. You know, there's, if you think about whiskey, gin and vodka, for example, 
there are so many brands now available that weren't there even a year ago. You know, there's almost like a new brand being invented every year. Craft beers, you're German. <clears throat> you know, you guys love your beer more than anybody. You know, all the craft beers that are available, you know, there's literally hundreds of these niche beer brands that didn't even exist a couple of years ago. And I think we're going to see that come into other parts of the retail sector. Um, as well as customization and personalization. So I think as consumers, increasingly we're going to be looking for things that actually, rather than buying cheaper and maybe having more disposable products that we can throw away, I think we're going to look for more value and we're going to perceive that we get more value by paying more for something that's maybe more premium, that's longer lasting, that I can personalize or customize. Great insights, Martin. Thank you. Thank you very much for taking your time today. My pleasure. I'm Stefan Bild from UPS Longitudes. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you.